Welcome to this week's episode of The Fitness Solution. On today's episode, I bring an interview that I did with Jordan Syatt of Syatt Fitness. Now, you may have come across Jordan on Instagram and social media. His YouTube channel is fantastic, as is his Instagram. And if you have come across him, then I'm sure you have resonated with his message because it is phenomenal. And this interview only attests to that. He was wonderfully generous with his time. We had such a good in-depth discussion about all things fitness, fat loss, and fun. But we generally focused right in on how to do something very difficult and why you should do something very difficult each and every day in order to help that keep you moving forward. Jordan underwent a 300 rep challenge of push-ups. So every day for 30 days, he did 300 push-ups. And he it was his belief that getting through that while he was in lockdown and in quarantine, it was pushing him to stay productive and to keep moving forward. So that's really what the episode is about. And I hope you really enjoy our discussion around that. There's something that happens about 15 minutes into this episode um, that's quite personal to me in that we was chatting and I completely forgot what to say. It's not like I script these things, but I just couldn't think. Inspiration had left me. I was so nervous. I, I felt like it was going well, but I just didn't have anything else to say. And I completely dried I called myself on it. I panicked a little bit and everything else. You probably wouldn't even notice it if I didn't tell you about it right now. But the reason I am telling you about it, and I considered editing it out, but by doing that, I'm aware I'm not being truthful, honest, and open with you. And that's not right. I want to show you exactly who I am and what I do and why I do it. And I got very nervous talking to Jordan. I got very worried. I got very scared. And it resulted in my brain just not working for about three or four seconds. Now, the point of this, of me keeping it in here, is to show you that things don't go swimmingly all of the time. You know, I'm talking to someone who I respect so, so much. And I've made myself look like a bit of an idiot in my head. And it's all in my head. Because Jordan didn't think that at all. And things don't go the way they're planned. Things don't occur how you want them to occur sometimes. But in those moments, you just need to take a big, deep breath. Give yourself some thinking space. And then you can move forward. And what we then get into after that moment is really fantastic. And it really does produce a very good discussion. Right. Only The only last thing to say is thank you to everyone who has um, subscribed and has left the podcast a review on iTunes. That means a hell of a lot to me from the bottom of my heart. The podcast is growing very quickly. Uh, it's getting some great numbers, which is great. And all of the, the subscribes and all of the reviews really help with that. If you haven't left the review yet and you'd like to, then please do. And what I would say is leave a comment, say what you'd like me to talk about on this podcast, and I'll do everything I can to get that produced for you and to get that episode put together for you. So use it as a communication tool to ask me questions, to uh, give me suggestions, and it would be my pleasure to answer them on the podcast for you. Right, that's enough from me. Straight over to myself and Jordan. 
Hello and welcome to The Fitness Solution. I'm joined on um, the other end of the line, on the other end of the phone, whatever we call this thing, Zoom video chat, uh, with a fantastic human being, a great coach, a kind of mentor to me um, beyond all things. His name's Jordan Syatt, and I'm sure you've heard of him. If you haven't, you definitely will look him up by the end of this podcast. Um, but I'm honoured and can't wait to get into a good chat about coaching, fat loss, food, isolation, everything with him over the next sort of hour or so. So, Jordan, say hey. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. My absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for coming on. It's a real, real joy. Uh, how's, how's life? This is that awkward bit that you always talk about, though. We have to pretend we haven't just caught up for two minutes before we hit record. Yeah, exactly. Every, fortunately, I'm in, I'm in a good position, man. It's crazy. It's, uh, it's uh, I think, one of the craziest parts is you just don't know when, when it's going to end. We just don't know how long it's going to be like this. But fortunately, I'm in a good position and still, uh, still just carrying on, trying to make, make do with what I've got. Yeah, man, that's I, that's what we can do, isn't it? Wake up every day and be thankful that the day the day has started again, and we're one day closer to getting through it. That's it, a hundred percent. That's all it is. How um, how have you found like fitness in isolation, like with your clients and like with the the, um, the inner circle and things like that? What, which is like your private members coaching group? What um, how have you found everyone's kind of dealing with? their fitness, how you're dealing with your fitness in this weird context, because it's not just a massive like situational F up, is it? It's like a massive mm -hmm. head fuck up as well. It's, it's really interesting. I've seen two different scenarios and they're basically the complete opposite end of the spectrum. One scenario is this is the single worst time for people fitness wise. They, they aren't motivated to eat well. They aren't motivated to work out. They are completely and utterly overwhelmed. They don't know what to do with themselves. They feel like they're losing all their progress. They're gaining weight. They, they just are in a very bad uh, fitness situation. That's like physical fitness, mental fitness, emotional fitness. It's all of it. The other situation is for many people, this is the best time for them fitness-wise. Uh, they're crushing their nutrition. They're getting in more workouts more consistently. They're getting more sleep. Um, and there are different characteristics I've noticed. Like oftentimes the people who are struggling right now are people who have a difficult relationship with food. Uh, they really struggle with snacking. They struggle with, uh, with binge eating sometimes. Uh, if there's food in the pantry or in the fridge, they'll eat even if they're not hungry out of stress or emotion. Uh, the other people who are finding it to be a very good time are often the people who are either so busy during the week or they have so many business meetings or they don't really get to control much of their food intake because of other, or travel, whatever it is that now that they're home, they can actually finally focus on it without too many other distractions. Uh, and those are two very general situations and there could be crossover between the two, but that's what I've generally seen. Um, for me personally, at the very beginning of all this, when I, I originally thought this was only going to be a few weeks, I didn't think this was going to be like, I, and I was completely wrong with that. Uh, I was like, you know what? Now is not the time to be focused, focusing on fat loss. Now is not like, and I still think for some people now is not the best time to be focusing on fat loss. But I, because I thought this was going to be very short term in nature, I was like, listen, it's not that big of a deal. Like you don't need to uproot everything and go crazy. Just like, let's weather the storm for the next couple of weeks and then we'll get through, be back on track. Well, now we're finding out it's much longer than a couple of weeks. And I don't think it's the best idea to just completely and utterly neglect your fitness, whether it's nutrition, strength training, whatever. So, um, I have found that 
people in the beginning who were neglecting it or who, who weren't focusing on it have started like they've put on a couple pounds. They're like not feeling good. They're like, all right, I really got to figure out how to make this work. So if people don't have equipment, they're doing body weight stuff, they're doing more walking, they're having more salads, more vegetables, whatever it is. So it's a super difficult time and each and every person is different, but this is the general continuum that I've seen. Yeah. I like bad and best. That's such a great way of putting it, especially like to begin with. I noticed that. I know I, I I've also noticed like through the transition, I've I started with quite high focus on my own fitness. I was like, it's not it, it's not gonna be too big a deal for me. I'll just, you know, I've got a heavy dumbbell at home, I can work with that. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And then like as the weeks have rolled on, it's kind of slowly slipping through my fingers, it feels. And it's hard to once that starts happening, it's really hard to push it back and get that that keen focus back. Um, so I hope that's kind of not happening to too many other people, but I'm sure it's like anything, isn't it? There's a thousand different elements of everything. It's so funny. I, the complete opposite at the beginning, I was like, ah, whatever. I'll take a couple weeks off, like let some injuries heal from jujitsu, whatever. Um, and then as it kept going on and I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to go back to jujitsu for a while. Mm. Um, like the gyms aren't going to open. So I have a couple of dumbbells here and I'll, I'll do the 300 push up a day challenge, all this stuff. But actually what really, and I just happened to have this right next to me is I made a schedule like every day, like I have to wake up at this time, do this, this, this. And that's really what got me on a great shocker schedule. Like yeah. <laughs> my workouts are planned. Like every morning I wake up, I'm working out. And it's, I think one of the hardest parts about this time is, there is no schedule. Like, especially if you're not working per usual, um, you can sleep in and there's really no like reason not to. But I think it's sort of like when you kids, if you have a strict parent, when you're a kid, you hate it when you're a kid, but you always appreciate it when you get older. It's the same thing, like schedules, they can seem restrictive and sometimes they suck, but once you make it, it helps a lot and you always appreciate it. And I, I have a feeling that if people got on some form of a schedule now, they made their own schedule and they stuck to it sort of like work, then it would be easier to stay on track. Yeah. When I, um, a lot of my clients work in the city, a lot of my clients work in, um, sorry, that's my mom. Oh, she's bought fruit. <laughs> Carbs, man. <laughs> How amazing I love that? it. It's oh, amazing. I've got, got a delivery of blueberries and strawberries. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I completely lost my track. Oh, when we first started this, a lot of my clients work in the city of London because I work like an hour outside, and we, you know, all the city boys like live where I work. Uh, yeah, live where I work, and a lot of my clients work in offices and stuff in in central London, banking, HR, all these kinds of jobs. And um, I was like, okay, they're all now working at home. So I was like, look, wake up in the morning, keep your schedule in place. You know, like spend time. Like if you had an hour to commute, if you left yourself an hour to commute, then get up, get dressed and go for a walk around your block like three or four times, then get back in through the door and it's really gonna help you, it's really gonna help you. One of my clients completely disagreed with me and completely threw it out the window until about, I don't know, 10 days ago. And then he was like, yeah, so I've started doing that, that schedule thing, that, that commuting thing you spoke about and it really helps. It, it's, I've like no longer got cabin fever and stuff. Good, that's awesome, man, that's amazing. How do you go about writing a schedule? Man, it's, so I have two different things. I have like my general schedule with like, I have what time I wake up. I have what time I work out. So basically six o'clock, wake up six thirty workout eight o'clock. I do my new inner circle workout of the day, eight thirty. I write an email to like my email list, uh, or one of my email lists. Then between nine thirty and 11, I'll do all of my social media. Um, 
And then I have a mini like siesta or a break where I'll do cardio, walk, whatever. Uh, then I have a podcast time range, which is what we're on right now. Excellent. And then I try and be done after 5 p.m. with business stuff. Uh, not always very good with that, but I try to be. Um, and then five to nine, uh, studying, dinner, relaxing, and then I go to bed between 10, 1030. And that's like the general schedule that I follow. But then every morning I make, my to-do list, like my daily goals and I put them in here. And so my daily goals, I'll just like, it's basically a to-do list and I just cross everything off as soon as it's, as soon as it's done. It's usually about five, three to five things every day. And as long as I get them done and trying to hear the schedule as much as I can, I feel super productive and it's not like anything crazy happens in a single day, but over the course of six months, a year, three years, it starts to make a big dent. Yeah, of course. Like, like nutrition, like fitness, how, how would you say building a schedule like that would help someone Would that, would having a, a structure and a schedule to their day like that help them be more adherent to working out to more fitness? Um, other than just like having the time allotted, like mentally, does it have a big impact on them? Yeah. I mean, massive. I, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, it's actually very interesting. I realized early on that I was way more consistent with my own workouts when I didn't just have like day one, day two, but I attached a day to it. So Monday was my lower body day. Wednesday was upper body, Friday, lower body, Saturday, upper body. And I did that for five years straight without missing a workout. So one of the things I switched with, and I was competitively powerlifting and that was like, so there was other motivation, but that was by far the most consistent I've ever been. Um, So I used to put on client programs just like day one, day two, and they'd be like, well, what day should I do? I'd be like, ah, just get four in a row, four, four in a week and just don't do all three in a row. But I noticed consistency improved when I put a legitimate day on it. So I'd be like, day one is Monday or Tuesday. Day two is right. Wednesday or Thursday. And so I, they have a day that it must get done and it makes sense. Like it's just very clear. It's concrete. They have a, it's basically one of the common phrases is schedule your workout in like you would schedule a meeting, like a work mm-hmm. meeting. Yeah, yeah. But I think a lot of people, it, it sounds nice, but they don't know how to practically apply that. They're not, okay, well, I'm going to write my schedule workout here. So you must do it on this day. I don't care what time you do it, but you, it must get done and plan around it. So I think when you have a schedule, you make the schedule, you could put your workout. You could put, if you want to put the time, great. Uh, for me, it helps to have the time. If you want to put how many grams of protein you want to hit that day on your schedule, great. And, and you cross it off. Make sure maybe if you want to hit 100 grams of protein by noon. Cool. Make sure you do that. Cross it off at noon. If you haven't done it by noon, get going, start, get your protein in. Um, if you want to put how many calories you're going to have for that day on it, great. But having it all laid out in front of you, written down in your own handwriting every day and then crossing it off, it just feels amazing and it helps really keep you accountable and more motivated. See, that's really interesting because I'm the kind of person who would spend a day or two doing that. And then it slowly, as I said to you before, like it just slowly slipped through my fingers a bit like my workout. And then I'd just be like, nah. And like, I have quite a, I'm I'm artistic. Like I'm a classically trained actor and um, like do Shakespeare and uh, yeah, other bits and bobs. Um, And uh, like, so I I tend, like last two nights I've been writing a a manual about scale weight for for my, my clients and stuff. And I've been working until like midnight doing it. Like I feel super productive doing something like that, but the effect it has on the next day. And I just, mm-hmm. so I could write a schedule like that and then I just know I wouldn't stick to it. But I think it would limit me rather than excite me. It's like it's crazy. Yeah. In the same way, you could have two different clients who yeah. weigh the exact same amount. They could uh, 
you could have two, you could have twins come from the same parent. They look, they're identical twins, weigh the same amount. They like are same strength levels, like all this other stuff. But one will respond very well to one style of coaching and another will respond to a completely other style of coaching. And it's important to know, like for me, this works really well. And I think one of the reasons this works well for me is because I just went through three years of literally zero schedule and completely living on someone else's schedule where right. traveling all over the world. I didn't know where I was going to be oftentimes within 12 hours. Cool. Um, and I think one of the things I've gotten better at as I've built my own business is understanding the value of a schedule and understanding how important it is to schedule my day. I mean, but to be frank with you, I've spent many years pulling all nighters and doing stuff like that. And if negative effectively negatively affected my business, negatively affected relationships, but my business grew as I did that, like staying up all night, doing stupid stuff like that. But I was hyper-focused on business and it grew and it grew and it grew. And now scaling back making sure I stop by 5 PM or trying to, but to be frank with you, I said I'd try and stop by 5 p.m., but last night I had calls until 11 p.m., right? So it's like it doesn't work every single day. It's just impossible. But in the same way you don't expect your clients to be 100% consistent with their nutrition, you'd rather them try and be 80 to 85% than not try at all just because they can't be 100%. Yeah, yeah that's a really good point. I mean, the 80-20 rule is, is like just so well coached and so well known, isn't it? With I suppose it's true of everything, isn't it? Like two days out of my week was that get back on schedule today. It's the same as like when someone's failing a diet, right? It's like, okay, you had, you had a couple of days off draw like, I have like what I call four step fuck it philosophy. It's like realize what went wrong. Okay. Acknowledge it went wrong. So step one is realize what's gone wrong. Step two is acknowledge it's gone wrong. Step three is draw a huge big ass line under it. Um, and say, fuck it. And then step four is move on. Is that four steps? I lost track. It's basically yeah, that. Draw a line under it, say fuck it and move on. That's generally what you got to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. That's, that's cool. Um, what is, what, what is like, I feel like I've just talked myself into a corner. What's, um, <laughs> what's your, uh, I've completely and utterly dried. This is ridiculous. I swear, I'll edit this bit out. Don't you worry, man. Um, so you've been doing the, the 300 push-ups a day challenge, right? Mm-hmm. And did that, was that to give you a super focus during this time? Was it to just keep fit during this time, keep your strength up? What, what was the purpose of that? And what did you find from it? So the main purpose of doing 300 push-ups a day, I'll say this, number one, it's not intelligent from a programming perspective. And I, it's not smart programming. There's no like it's not backed scientifically to be a great way to build your chest or your triceps or your shoulders. Uh, you would be much smarter from a physiological perspective to take more rest and do more progressive overload and be smart with it uh, and have more balance, have more rows and chin ups and pulling and face pulls, blah, blah, blah. The purpose of this challenge was not anything related to physical strength or, or maximal performance or aesthetics. None of it. The sole purpose of 300 pushups a day was to do something very difficult every day that I didn't want to do. That was literally it. And realistically, if we're talking about from physiology, it was stupid. It was dangerous. Like I could have hurt myself uh, doing way, way, way more pushing than pulling. And I did balance it with face pulls and whatnot or uh, band pull aparts, but it was still a pretty stupid thing to do. And I wouldn't recommend anyone do it, but I have a history of doing that with my challenges. But either way, I think there's a tremendous amount of value to deliberately doing something that you don't want to do every day. 
uh, and making that a habit. And, and that's not to say something like, well, you don't want to kill someone, so go kill someone. It's not, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, for example, a lot of people, they don't like to eat vegetables, so they don't eat vegetables. Or they don't want to floss their teeth, so they don't floss their teeth. It's like, this is stupid, and it's childish. And you know in your heart and in your mind that you're not making the decisions that you know you should be. You would tell your child, floss. You would tell your child to eat vegetables. And if your child says, well, no, I don't want to eat the broccoli, then you say, cool. Well, then either you eat the broccoli or you're not going to get other food until you get your broccoli. Finish your, finish your vegetables. Floss your teeth. Do the right thing because we're being a good human being. Uh, and I think when all the quarantine stuff started happening, I was like, all right, I need to have something in my day because this was before I made this schedule. I need to have something in my day that I am required to do that I clearly don't want to do, but is going to push me mentally. And as odd as it sounds, even though that took up a considerable amount of time, I was more productive as a result of it because as always, the hardest part of anything is the first thing, the first step, right? That just getting going. So for me, Maybe I didn't want to work out. Maybe I didn't want to make content, but I knew I had to do the 300 push-ups a day. And immediately, just from the first push-up, boom, I was making content. Boom, I was, all right, well, cool. I'm starting to sweat. I'm going to get a little workout in now. It, it kick-started me off on a, in a good way to get the motivation, to get, the, to get myself rolling, get the ball rolling, um, to feel more accomplished. Every single time after I did one, I was like, all right, well, the first one was always the hardest. And uh, it just set me up, not only for, better success physically, but also mentally. It just, it made me mentally stronger. And I try and always, it's one of the reasons I like challenges because they always suck. Like <laughs> I don't, I don't like doing them. I don't, I didn't like doing the Big Mac challenge. I didn't like doing the carnivore challenge. I didn't like doing the 300 pushups a day challenge. It's not fun. And I'm very open about that, but I'm always better as a result of it. And I think everyone can relate to that. Like no matter what hardships you've gone through, no matter what tragedies you've been through, odds are you're not going to be like, I wish that never happened. Usually you say, I'm glad that it happened, even though it might've been awful. I'm a better person because of it. And that's what I think about that. It's, it's like, it's like willful suffering, isn't it? That's exactly right. A hundred percent. And you have to submit yourself to, you have to submit yourself to that, that pain. Like, I mean, take drama school, for instance, like drama school is a really hard place to be. It's harder to get into than Oxbridge. Like, do you know, like Oxbridge is like our two biggest universities over here. Yeah, like, yeah, of course. Best in the world, right? It's harder to get into a drama school in this country than it is to get into Oxbridge. Like, and you spend three years there and you think you're chasing your dream. You think like, you know, you're becoming the, the actor you wanted to be. And then suddenly out of nowhere, like, it's really hard. It's really brutal. You're under scrutiny all day, every day. I had to do 12 hours a day, six days a week. I'd do more hours yes. in the day than my mates would do at university. But you, I, I am, without shadow of a doubt, I am a better, I'm a better like mm -hmm. physical coach because of it. I'm a better human. I understand relationships better. I understand people better. All because I was willing to suffer day in, day out in that place. And That's exactly right. And people at this day and age, they, they love getting that quick fix. They love finding that the easy route through it. Like, I want to lose 10 pounds, but I don't want to do this, this, and this to do it. So then, so how, how are you going to bridge the gap? How, you tell me how you're going to bridge the gap. And the answer you usually get is it's just nothing, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, I get people on a very regular basis. Listen, I want to lose fat, but I don't like vegetables. I don't like fruits. I don't really like getting more protein in. I'd rather not work out. I'm like, so what the hell are you talking to me about? 
That would be like, hey, listen, I really want to build my business, but I don't want to help my customers. I don't want to make a good product. I don't want to wake up early to get to the business. I don't want to treat my employees well. I just want to build a great business. It's like, no, no, no. You want the, the ego boost that comes with people recognizing you because you look good or because you have a big business, but you don't actually want to do what you need to do in order to get there. Um, and we all suffer with this. We all struggle with it. It's, it's a human problem. It's, not an, it's, it's just a matter of for what are you motivated to do. And mm -hmm. everyone's motivated to do something different. Some people are more motivated to be really good with their nutrition. Other people are more motivated to be an amazing father or mother. Uh, some people are really motivated to be an entrepreneur or an actor, whatever it is. And for the thing that you're most motivated to be, you tend to be more willing to suffer just because you see the, the meaning behind it. Yep. The issue is when you might not necessarily want it that much, you're much easier to quit. And also, if you don't believe you can succeed, you're much more likely to quit. You're not willing, as willing to suffer through it, which is why I think having something to do every day that you require yourself to do, even and especially if you don't want to do it, it helps build the habit of overcoming that friction, which is one of the reasons why I make my bed every day. I hate making my bed. My, like, my girlfriend will go to make the bed. I'll be like, no, no, no. Like, I have to do it. Uh, I started flossing every day. I remember I read a book from Dan John years ago, and he was like, if you want to be, if you want to build a business, but you don't floss your teeth every day, like you're like something like you're wasting your time. He's like, if you can't be disciplined enough to fucking take two minutes to floss your teeth, then what are you doing? Because um, it's something that's so easy to do. It takes less than 90 seconds. And so many people don't do it. Uh, it's literally just building up the habit of doing the things that you don't want to do that make you a better person. Yeah. How, how do you know? How do you know whether you really want it or not? So like in, the, in that little segment you, you just spoke about, you know, someone wanting like to lose weight or whatever, or it might not be what you want to do. You might want to be a mom. You might want to be a dad. Like you want to put your efforts into that, which obviously do what, you know, whatever makes you happy. I suppose that's the answer, isn't it? Whatever makes you happy. Mm -hmm. I would, I used, I used to say that and I would, the only twist I would say, instead of happy, I would say, um, what's the word I would use? I would say, um, Content. I would say meaningful or okay. uh, fulfilled, yeah. fulfilled yeah. because happy what is a very purpose? interesting word. I mean, drugs can make you happy, <laughs> yeah. right? Food can make you happy, uh, whatever. Alcohol, and yeah. alcohol can make you happy. What's making you fulfilled? Mm -hmm. What's making you feel proud of yourself? These are emotions that I think are better to chase because and it's one of, there's many different, you go on social media, you'll get both sides of it, but like <laughs> polar, you see this in politics, see this in nutrition, see in everything. I think chasing happiness is a, a flaw of modern day society and culture. Because number one, you can't be happy all the time. That's for sure. You, yeah. Not to mention, I don't think anyone would really want to be happy all the time. Because if, if I just told you like, all right, we're just going to give you this pill and you'll be happy all the time. That's not a, that's not a life. That's, that's merely an existence. And you don't really experience all the highs and lows, the goods and bads, like the in incredible. And, and you want to have all of it. Yeah. No one would just want to be happy all the time, even though it might sound great on surface. You wouldn't appreciate the good times, would you? If exactly you right. For the bad times. When you chase fulfillment, you chase being proud of yourself. Inherently, you will do things that are difficult. You'll go through periods of time that you struggle. 
and that you suffer and that you overcome hardships, that you spend more time studying or learning or, or bettering yourself in some way, but it's all done with the end in sight of, I will be more fulfilled as a result of this. And understanding that part of fulfillment is suffering, I think is a very, very important thing to understand. Yeah. Yeah. How, like, have you ever looked into like stoicism? Do you, do you mm. read a lot on stoicism and stuff like that? I wouldn't say I read a lot and I'm definitely not an expert on it, but mm. yeah, I've, I've looked into it and I've, I've listened to some podcasts on it and yeah, absolutely. It's such an interesting topic, isn't it? Like and then, and then like how that transfers over to, to like what, what you do, what I do, what, you know, the fitness industry does and how, how developing that, that fortitude and understanding that emotion within yourself and how that can really drive you forward. Because I bet most people who are overweight, who want to lose a few pounds, want to, want to lose more than a few pounds, I bet they've never really sat down and analyzed how not understanding this part of their human condition, which is what I like to call it, affects the decisions they make in terms of their nutrition, in terms of their fitness, in terms of their adherence to these things. And they just, I suppose, they, I suppose the example of wanting to be happy every day, I suppose they'd say, yeah, but I don't want to be unhappy every day. And that's what they're experiencing. So how, you know, pulling themselves out of that balance must be a really difficult thing to do. I mean, I can't talk about it. I've, I've never been overweight. I, I don't know what it is like to be in that position. I can fully understand it. And, and then when I'm in that situation with people, it's a case of listening, being empathetic, understanding, and all of these things. But it's really, really, it must be so hard to fathom. Like, do you have experience in that at all? With like being overweight at all? Yeah, yeah. And, or like being very unhappy at any times in your life um, and, and not being able to, and then pulling yourself out of that position in order to create such a, I mean, one of the things I admire so much about you and, and why I just wanted to talk to you and, and love sort of surrounding myself with your content and stuff is just because of the drive you have in all aspects of life, whether that's helping people, delivering your business, being who you are, being consistent, delivering on challenges and stuff like that is something I personally want to aspire to, to be and surround yourself with people you want to become. But yeah, like how did you pull yourself through that? Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that a lot. Um, well, it's just the truth. I, I, I had, I've had many times in my life in which I was not only very unhappy, but I, I was a very angry individual. Uh, and and I, I think some people they struggle more with anxiety. Some people might struggle more with sadness. I was very angry. Uh, and I didn't know why I was just an angry, I was in high school. I was very angry. I remember I went to a therapist a couple times and he was really shitty, but like, I remember like he just, he was trying to figure out what I was angry about. And I was like, I don't know. I just have in my chest anger a lot. Um, I remember after high school, I took a year off and I traveled to the Middle East for a year. I was in Israel for a long time. Then I came back and I went to college and that was probably the most unhappy I've ever been in my entire life when I was, especially my freshman year of college. Um, I almost dropped out uh, and, and joined the Israeli Defense Force. Um, the only reason I didn't is because I got a call from the owner of a gym called Westside Barbell, Louis Simmons, the strongest gym in the world and literally their weakest guy squats 800 pounds. And, uh, and it's like, that's that place. and, uh, and he was like, Hey, I'd love to, if you came and trained here and I went and trained there and that's the only reason I didn't drop out of school. Um, 
I remember a number of things. I remember calling my mom in tears when I was in, in college, my freshman year being like, I, I hate this place. I want to leave. Like I hate school. I hate the people. I hate being here. Uh, and then I remember talking with a family friend who's a psychologist and, uh, and he gave me some really good advice that I'll never forget at that point in time when I was like, I, I think I'm going to leave. I'm going to drop out, move back to Israel. Um, and he was like, listen, we both know you're not going to drop out. And the main reason I wasn't going to drop out was because I don't have a relationship with my father. And I knew if I dropped out, I might sacrifice my relationship with my mother. Uh, she's very big on education. And largely, I went to do that because that's what she wanted me to do. Uh, he's like, so we know you're not going to drop out anymore. So just picture yourself, you're in detention. You're in detention for another three and a half years. You can either sit in detention and stare at the wall. Or you can make the best of your time in detention. Sit there and do something. And that's when I made my website. And I was like, listen, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to give the bare minimum in all these classes. I hate the teachers. I don't like the kids. I don't like what I'm doing. I don't like the environment. But I'm going to go all in on my website and my YouTube videos and all this just because that's what I loved doing. That's what I felt right doing. I didn't go out to parties. And I'm not saying that to sound self-righteous or anything. It was mainly just because... I loved what I was doing. I loved my website. I loved the work. I loved fitness and nutrition and psychology and all that stuff. And I would spend all nighters just researching and writing and doing everything. And people would be like, come on, let's go party. And I'd be like, no, absolutely not. Like I want to do this. Um, and it was hard and I suffered through it, but I couldn't be happier that I did it. I couldn't be more proud of myself that I made, made it through. And if I hadn't done that, if I had dropped out, I'm sure I, I would have had some amazing opportunities and life would go in directions I wouldn't have anticipated. But I'm incredibly proud of everything that I've done thus far. And it, no one who's been successful in any sense of the word has done it without serious hardship or done it without going through suffering or done it without uh, really having to fight for, for a significant amount of time. Um, so yeah, I, I've been through some very dark and scary places in my life. Uh, and I'm very fortunate to, to be here and to have the opportunities that I have. But I think like anybody who's ever come out of a dark and I think everyone has their own dark scary place right like each and every individual has their own dark scary place it's all relative but each and every person can get out of it and each and every person has the ability to uh and one of the things that I want to help people with is help people find that strength within themselves to fight through it and to develop the skill of fighting through it. I think it's it's a habit it's a skill and if you never I, I think one of the my mom is one of the most encouraging people in the world she believes in me more than anyone um and she would never let me quit, ever. And I think I was very blessed to have that because other people, they might not have had parents or friends or whoever who really fought for them to keep going, which I think if you don't have that, especially at a young age, it's easier to quit. And the more you quit, the more you make a habit out of quitting. The more you fight, the more you make a habit out of fighting. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? That's, that, 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 I mean, that's really resonated with me. It's like, yeah, I try and work on my fights I try and work on my fight every single day and it does. Sometimes it doesn't pay off. Sometimes it does pay off. And sometimes I put my fighting energy into something that might not be what I thought I was going to put it into that day, but I'm getting something else out of that energy and that driving force behind me. Do you think like, um, do you think you, you ended up in, in a, in that place at school unhappy really because I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth or anything like that. And if I've got any of this wrong, then tell me. But like, it sounded like to me you was kind of forced in inverted commas um, to, to go and do something you didn't want to do. And do you yeah. think that's why people get very unhappy when they're trying to lose weight? Because they very much are being forced by society, media, 
their own lack of confidence, their own issues, their partner, their friends, anything. And they're being forced into this place that they don't want to be in called the gym that's full of these weird people who look at them or don't, but that's another story. Um, and do you think they just, they just hate being there because they're being forced into it and they feel like, they feel like it's the only option and they're kind of going with two hands up their back? Yeah, I think that's one part of it for sure. I think it's a very astute observation and absolutely that's a huge part of it. I think, I think one of the biggest reasons people hate it is because, number one, they feel like they can't do what they want to do and see progress. Like they can't enjoy their favorite foods. They feel like it has to be completely and utterly nothing or everything. It's like they, they don't, they don't understand. And this is social media. This is culture, society, lack of education, their own insecurities, whatever it is, um, prevents them from understanding that it doesn't have to be an all or nothing game. It's not a zero sum game. You can do, there's a moderation. The, I think the, the underlying foundation of it though, and this is, true in the research time and time again the underlying foundation of it is i think most people don't actually believe when it comes to fitness that they can succeed they don't actually believe because maybe they've tried every diet under the sun maybe they've tried every workout maybe they've they've tried to do it and they've tried and they've tried and they've tried or the reality is they think they've tried that's really the the deeper thing that a lot of people they get super defensive whenever I say that. Like I, I have tried. It's not that I think it's like you definitely tried, but the level to which you've tried is probably not as consistent as you think you were, which is why I like having the calendar with the red X's and black circles. But I didn't believe at first that so when I was gonna drop out of college, I literally booked a ticket to Israel in October of my freshman year because Long story short, we were assigned a school project on the first day of class, but it was like it, the teacher never announced it. It was just online, and I never looked at the online website. And so I remember mid-October, she was like, all right, hand in your project. And I looked at my buddy Kyle. I was like, what project? And he's like, ha Like He laughed. And I was like, no, seriously, what project? He's like, dude, this was assigned day one. It was on Sakai, which is like the website. And I was like, I've never looked at Sakai. And he was like, dude. So I asked the teacher, I was like, could I – could I get a 48 hour extension and I'll do the entire literally month and a half project in 48 hours. Just like, can I, and she was like, no, you fail. So I failed the class and I was like, well, screw it. I'm going to go book a ticket to Israel. Like screw all these people. Um, at that point when I booked the ticket, I didn't think that it was possible for me to get through another three and a half plus years of school. I didn't think it was possible. I was like, I'm going to quit. Yeah. The next day I got a call from Louis Simmons offering me to, to come train with him at Westside Barbell, which was like life changing. He was, I looked up to him immensely. I read his work for years. So that's what got me to stay for that opportunity. But then I had conversations with my mom. I had conversations with my friend who's a psychologist. I had conversations with Louie and all of these people were telling me why it was important for me to stay there and why, and why they know I can succeed there and all these other things. And over time, I started to believe, okay, well, even if I don't want to be here, I know that I can make it through. I'm going to fight through. It wasn't that the school changed. It's that my belief in my ability to succeed changed over time. And I think most people quit before they ever get to a point in which they actually believe in themselves. And the longer you try and do something from a place of not believing in yourself, the sooner you're going to quit. The, the, this is why sustainable approaches are so important. Because if you try and do something completely and utterly unsustainable, 
and you don't believe in yourself throughout it, then once you hit a roadblock, once your weight plateaus, once it gets difficult, once you have one bad treat, you quit. But if you do it more slowly and sustainably and give yourself the opportunity to believe in yourself and trust yourself and know you can do it, then once you've been doing it for three months, it's number one, become a habit. And number two, you can actually, wow, like I see this as a real possibility. I know I can do this because I've already proven to myself I can. It, that's a huge difference that is very under-discussed in the industry. Yeah, it really is. It really is, isn't it? I mean, I, the thinking about what what you said there like how you started with like people don't think they can succeed I, I i think that's a lot of that comes down to the fact people have such high unachievable unrealistic beliefs in what success for them is it's mm -hmm. like you know they even want to lose like 10 or not 10 stone that's unrealistic but they even want to lose like five stone more than really they're ever going to be capable of, of losing just because genetically and, and because of the, their general body size anyway how tall they are and stuff like that and, and we've perpetuated this talk about what is possible for people and actually what if you if you break it down and really find out somehow what really is possible for you you're going to be so much more adherent to success because you're going to take it off this pedestal you have it on, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not to mention people are, are comparing their progress to, to very radical and extreme things that they've done. Yeah. For example, I was on the phone with someone yesterday, uh, a potential client, someone who says he wants to work with me and we were talking about stipulations and things that are, that must be taken into account. And I was like, you must do everything I tell you to do. And, and this is a guy who uh, has gone on and off of keto many times. He's gained and lost 50 pounds over and over and over again on keto. And, uh, and he was like, okay, I'll do the calories. I'll trust you. But can we start with a rapid fat loss protocol? And I was like, why? He was like, cause I can't do the slow fat loss. He's like on keto. I would lose 20 to 25 pounds in the first month. And I'd be like, and how'd that work? He was like, great. It worked really well for me. I was like, did it? Then why are we on the phone? And he's like, well, I gained it back when I quit. I was like, well, why'd you quit? Well, because I couldn't sustain it. So why the fuck are you going to try and do it again? If you know you can't sustain it, then why the fuck are you going to try and do it again? And he compared the progress that he wanted to make now, a rapid fat loss protocol, 20 to 25 pounds in the first month, with something that didn't work in the past. It's like, you have to understand that if you've done something unsustainable in the past, then trying to compare what you're going to do now to that is completely and utterly irrelevant and stupid. It's if you really want to be objective and logical with what your progress is going to be like, then you have to take whatever approach you're taking now, which ideally is a straightforward, logical, science-based, sustainable approach and follow it as is rather than comparing it to something that you've clearly, this is where people get, they're like, well, I have tried, I've tried keto. I've tried Weight Watchers. I've tried this. I've tried that. And it's like, yes, you've, you've tried it. You've tried it, but how consistent were you? And all in all, how long did you do it for? If you didn't do it for at least three months, then you didn't actually do it, which doesn't mean it's your fault necessarily. It could have been the diet in terms but of the diet if you, failed you can't sustain it for three months then maybe that's the diet. Maybe you should try something else. Yeah. On the other hand, maybe it was you. If you tried calorie counting, you tried Weight Watchers, and you're just like, ah, I just don't feel like doing it today because it's not going to make me happy. It's like, well, cool. That, that's your fault. You just gave up because you didn't feel like it anymore. Yeah. 
And that's where you have to be really objective and say, okay, so is that because this was unsustainable or is that just because I gave up? And there's no right or wrong here and it's very individual and it depends on the person. But that question is really what's fueled my coaching philosophy in terms of, well, what is the most sustainable? What can most people do? What are most people willing to do? What is the, the, the best option for the vast majority of people? Which really boils down to not eliminating anything, but allowing people to incorporate their favorite foods in moderation into their diet. And as long as they give me 30, 60, 90 days of 100% consistency, they're good on their own. As long as they give me that. And I sh- a better way to phrase it would be, as long as they give themselves that. As long as they, people break promises to themselves all the time. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then they stop. And then this is the whole circling back to doing something hard every day. It's like, if you're going to get, get a week in, two weeks in, four weeks in, and then see that your weight spiked up or you don't feel so good and just use that as a justification to quit altogether, you've now broken a promise to yourself. You've now made it a habit to not try when things get difficult. And that is a very bad idea, very bad justification, very bad mindset, very bad practice as a human. It's like, that'd be like if you have a kid and then your kid pisses you off one day and you're like, all right, well, I'm not good at this parenting thing. So let's just get this kid out of here. It's like, no, you can't, you have to keep on fighting for what you want and for what you uh, strive to achieve. Yeah. I, I, when I look back in my life, I, I'm very aware that throughout my life, I've always been so much more willing to let myself down than I have ever been willing to let someone else down. Like, I don't know if I'm just like a codependent or whatever, but like teachers at school, like my my acting coaches at drama school, even my clients now, I would 1000% let my entire life burn to the ground before I let them down and I didn't show up for a session or I wasn't there to hold their hand through something. Like they texted me and and they needed me and I couldn't help them. And I think so many more like... I used to think that was quite an anomaly. I used to think people were generally quite more selfishly based than that, really. But in truth, they're not. We all are so much more willing to let ourselves down time and time and time again. Um, Which is where I suppose people like you and I come into their lives. And it's like, you need to start relying on a coach because you will let yourself down time and time again. And when I look back in my life, I thought it was my problem. But actually, those teachers like Mr. Torn, my history teacher, he... Once he said, Adam, I need you to do this, that was it. I was mm-hmm. super focused. I was hyper aware of what I had to do because I was not going to disappoint him. I was not going to have him look at me and go, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. And it's just <laughs> not going to happen, right? And, it's funny. I, yeah. I have a bunch of, of friends who are actors and living in New York. You, yeah, you I bet you have thousands of them. It's... Uh, and I actually, I, was, I did a bunch of acting when I was younger and I loved it. Um, I've always found that actors, on a, generally speaking, are way more in touch with their emotions than a lot of other people. And I think it's part of the study of being a great actor is, <laughs> is studying that. And as a result of that, you become much more empathetic to other people's emotions. And oftentimes you never want to let someone else down. God forbid they feel an emotion that you don't want them to feel. <laughs> yeah. And it's like you will fight to make sure that someone else doesn't have to feel 
sad or disappointed or upset or betrayed or whatever it is because you're so in touch with those emotions because you've worked and you've trained yourself to learn how to feel them and how to express them and it's it's an art it's an art form and it's actually a huge uh it's a huge um study of psychology and behavior Uh, it's uh so it's funny there there are some people who and generally speaking, women tend to be more in touch with their emotions than men. Uh, men, uh, women are in the majority of my clients are women, right? And they often are moms who will sacrifice their own health in order to take care of their kids. They'll sacrifice their sleep. They'll sacrifice their nutrition. And it's very difficult for them to prioritize the time for themselves to work out or to sleep or to eat well, because they're always putting other people first in front of them. And it's a really important discussion to have with them and for them to realize and uh, and understand okay well how can i continue to be a great mother or a great if, if it's your father or whatever it is then how can i continue to be great at this while still making sure i'm giving myself what i need because you can only go so long giving everyone else everything before you break down yeah yeah on stage we called that philosophy like well, i think what you're getting towards is you have to be selfish in order to be generous yes exactly right? you Love can't that. You can't on stage. You can't. You can't deliver a performance. You can't be part of the ensemble. You can't tell the story that the like Shakespeare has written for you, unless you are willing to craft your character yourself. Unless you're willing to do all the work yourself, learn your lines. Like just that's that's like beyond standard. Like build your character. Understand who he is. Understand where he's from. Understand how he walks. Understand how he moves. Understand why he says this at that moment. All the things, all the given circumstances of character, you have to hold on to all of that. And then when you're on stage, you have to know all of that so in depth and protect that as much as you can so that when you're there with someone, you can listen to them, you can work with them, you can let the energy flow between the two of you, and then you start producing and you can be generous. And then when you feel like you're slipping, you have to be selfish again. And then, and it's like a figure of eight that constantly goes back and forth. And I love you, that. You know, like you can't pour from an empty cup. It's that same kind of thing, isn't it? Um, yeah, that's, that's mental. Yeah. I, I, I could talk about this for hours, but you're the guest, not me. Um, <laughs> you, you mentioned like your red X's and your blue cir- and your black circles. What's, what's like, I'm, I'm really interested about that. I've heard you talk about that before. What is like, what's the, why is it like a red X and a black circle? Why is it not like a tick and an X? Uh, to be very honest with you, um, I made that up in the middle of the night one summer um, because I was trying to come up with a way to make sure – because I've worked with thousands of people. I have emails back and forth with thousands of people, and I would have emails back and forth where over the course of a month, two months, three months, I would have my clients send me their calories from the day before, their protein from the day before, and I tracked all this data meticulously. And I could see how consistent someone was. And then I would be getting emails like, well, I'm, I'm upset that I'm not making much progress. And I'd be like, but have you been consistent? And they'd be like, yeah, I've been consistent. I've been like, well, okay, so we have this email and this email, this email, this email, this email in the last two weeks. And it looks like 12 of the 14 days you haven't hit your calories, but you're still upset that you haven't made progress. This doesn't make sense. And they're like, wow, well, when you put it like that, I, I don't really deserve to be upset with my progress. I'm like, that's exactly right. So I remember in the middle of the night, I was actually, I was at Gary Vaynerchuk's house and and he was sleeping and I was in his living room and I was like, all right, I need to make something that is very objective and clear to people. And I was like, all right, so we'll have a calendar. And for whatever reason, the first thing that came to my mind was a red X and a black circle. And 
that was it. That just stuck. I mean, I and people are always like, well, should I, what if I use like, uh, I was like, listen, I don't care if you use a coffee cup and uh, an eggplant emoji. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Just choose something. One thing that clearly says you're being consistent and one thing that means you're being inconsistent and that's it. And then at the end of the month, check to see how many consistency marks you have versus how many inconsistency marks you have. And then if you haven't been at least 80% consistent, you have not earned the right to be upset yet which basically means if you have 30 days there, then at least 24 to 25 of those days have to be consistent. And most people, it's usually, if they get 15 to 18 consistency marks, then that's on the high end of consistency for most people. Yeah, yeah. See, there I was thinking there was some massive psychological reason behind it. (laughs) Like some like just crazy thing that like ticks, ticks enhance, like thoughts (laughs) of being good and X's are like being bad. And it's just, it's crazy, isn't it? How our brains work in these situations, man. Um, yeah, it is. How, like one thing I, I do know about you, and we can we'll finish on this a bit because it's probably a good one too. Um, is like you strike the balance so well between being really empathetic with people, yet being like it's not good enough. You've got to you've got to pick it up. You have to improve it. Like you, without it ever sounding harsh, without it ever sounding like like you're whipping them or anything like that. Like. How do you strike that balance and tread that line so well with, with people? And then how did the people who are listening to this, like tread that line with themselves? Man, I'm going to be honest. If I know the, if I knew the answer to that question, I definitely don't know how to articulate it. Um, (laughs) Here's, here's probably the best way that I can. I mean, I have, I have very close friends who are very, very, very like far left Democrats. I have very close friends who are very, very, very far right Republican. I have close friends who are Orthodox Jewish. I have close friends who are incredibly religious Islam, uh, Muslim. Uh, I have friends who are like very like carnivore. I have friends who are completely plant-based and vegan. Uh, I have friends who are high level athletes, like on the highest level competitively and completely and utterly psychotic with like their training and nutrition. And I have friends who are, at least a hundred pounds overweight and don't really train. Like I have every spectrum. Yeah. And for me, I think what I've found is you can learn something from everyone. And regardless of whether you're Democrat, Republican, Muslim or Jewish, uh, vegan or carnivore, whatever it is, we're all human. And we all have so many of the same innate desires and needs and insecurities and fears and worries And two of them are, one, the need to feel understood. And the other is the the need and the desire to be pushed to be better. I think these are two very innate things that we have within us. Um, Another one, which is separate, is the need to feel, I would say, hesitate to say useful. But if you look at, for example, work-life happiness or work happiness, workplace happiness, people in the workplace who are consistently ranked happier and healthier are people who can see the result of their job actually helping people rather than people who maybe they do spreadsheets, but they don't see where it's going in the greater wheel of the business. So the need to feel understood and the need to feel pushed. And when you look at people who have great relationships with a partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, usually they're both together, right? They have, okay, well, this person understands me. And this person also pushes me to be a better individual. And I think you have to play to both of them. 
you have to have the empathy card. You have to feel like understand where they're coming from. You have to justify their, their pain. You have to justify their lack of belief in themselves. You have to, because it's all valid, but just because it's, this is valid, it does not justify not trying to be better. And I think when you can sort of combine these two, you really become a, an, a well-rounded coach, a well-rounded friend, a well-rounded partner. Um, and I think if you only go to one of them, either or, if you only go towards, it's fine, you're, it's difficult, don't try. Like the too far of that is, well, just don't try because you're great as you are. And oh. this side, the too far to the other side is, you're not good enough, you're never good enough, you'll never be good enough, no matter what. And it's like, if you go too far to either end the spectrum, there will only be a very small percentage of people who resonate with you. But when you try to play it a little bit more globally and you bring both of them in, you can hit more people and really both help people forgive themselves and inspire themselves. That's amazing. <laughs> what a great <laughs> note to finish on, man. That's absolutely amazing. Um, on that point about uh, people enjoying their work and, and, who find that in the UK a few years back, they did a, um, they did a, a study on it. And number one, top of the list were vicars and reverends. They had the most job satisfaction in the world or well, in, in the UK. And at the bottom of the list was people who run pubs, landlords and, ah, and they I believe didn't. it. And yeah, I, I perfectly resonated with me because my mom and dad, they, they're doing a church quiz right now, like below me. And, um, and, and I've also worked in a pub. And I'll tell you, yeah, I, they're definitely a lot happier than people who worked in the pub were. So, I believe um, it, man. It makes to and the data supports it very yeah, clearly. It very much does. It very much does. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's what a great note to finish on. Let's learn to inspire people. That's all we're here to do, isn't it, really? Yeah, 100%, man. This is great. Thank you for having me on. My absolute pleasure. Where can people find you if they don't know about you already? Um, where's the best place to hook up with you? Um, you can go on Google and Jordan site, S Y A T T YouTube podcast, Instagram. It's all there, whatever. And if you need anything, I'm happy to email with you. Yeah. One thing I will say is Jordan is just totally incredible with his time, uh, for someone who's clearly just got an amazing business, helps so many people. He'll, he just lives to help people. So, you know, he, he's always helped me out. He's always messaged me back and stuff like that, which it means a lot. So, you know, yeah, do reach out to him if you feel like you, you need some help with something. And I'm sure he'll be more than willing to, to direct you in places that you need if you can't find stuff that's already he's put out there because he has put out everything there is to know about everything <laughs> that is out there in terms of health and fitness anyway. Jordan, um, from the, the literal bottom of my heart, thank you so much for giving me your time today. And thank you so much for sharing just such astounding thoughts with my, um, with my, my listeners. It's, it means a lot to me and I'm sure it means a hell of a lot to them. So thank you so much. It's a pleasure, man. Thank you for having me. My absolute pleasure. Thanks. I really, really hope you enjoyed that episode of The Fitness Solution with Jordan Syatt. As I mentioned, we got into a great discussion and I hope that comes across. And Jordan really is the most astounding coach. I can't recommend following him enough. I can't recommend watching his videos enough. And I can't recommend you just putting him into your life and onto your feeds because he will only do you good, especially if you are working on fitness, fat loss, and fun, like always, because you've got to have fun, right? Thanks once again to anyone who has liked and subscribed and written a review. As I mentioned in the introduction to this episode, 
If you want me to produce a podcast, an episode for you, if you have some burning questions and things, then please use the review section to do that. And I will see them. I look at all of my reviews. I respond to the reviews. And I will, of course, try and do everything I can to put whatever it is you want me to put together, together for you. So please do that. I hope you have the most fantastic week. And I will see you again with another fantastic interview next week. That's it from me. Ciao, ciao.